0: Hey, my name is Dr. Brendan McCarthy. I am the Chief Medical Officer of Protea Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. I really appreciate you coming by. As always, with every one of these podcasts, I want you to know that I spend a lot of time researching and preparing for these um, because I love doing it and I'm really passionate about it. At every one of these podcasts, I cite my research. I want you to know that I don't come at this Trying to just spout things that i think are true i spout things that i've used clinically i speak about the things that i have seen in the literature and so i speak from experience not just from opinion and conjecture it's not something i make up as i go along when i cite the research it gives you the consumer you the patient the opportunity to look at these things and to understand them at a deeper level not all of you will, but I want you to know all of you have that ability. And when I practice medicine, it's, I believe it's so important for me as the physician to do everything in my power to fully educate the patient to understand what it is that we're going to do together. I want them to understand what's going on, what I'm seeing, what I'm looking for. When they look at the lab review with me, step back for a second. Think about this as a human being. You're walking into your doctor's office, and they're going to sit down and go over your labs with you. And that is a really vulnerable place to be in as a human being that's the moment where the doctor may end up having to tell you you have cancer that's the moment your doctor may end up having to tell you that uh there's something serious in your health there's something that needs to be addressed immediately and it is so vulnerable and as the physician my job is to make sure that i communicate clearly and that i'm respectful of that vulnerability And then I use facts. I've said this in previous podcasts, but I don't want to really circle back to it because I feel strongly about it. When you're in that chair as the patient being vulnerable, it's easy for people to take advantage of that. It's easy for someone when you're sick, you're vulnerable, you're insecure, you're not sure what's happening in your health. It's easy for someone to say, well, this person, what won't they pay to be well? And they can do a lot of different things, and I've seen that. I've seen unethical behavior in medicine before. The best ways of treating medicine, period, is clear communication, education, and and to be transparent as humanly possible with my patients. So when I tell them, this lab value is here, I'm concerned, this is why I'm concerned. Here's the textbook, here's the research. Here's the standards of care that have been established. And I will explain it to them until they understand it. Because understanding is everything. With that said, (laughs) it's like that's a lot of chat to bring into the starting of a podcast. But it's because this is a really good thing to talk about clarity around. And it's estrogen. Estrogen is not a crime. Okay? Estrogen is not a crime. And it's, it's treated like it is. I actually, the, the, the presentation, I, I titled it, Estrogen is Not a Crime. Because <laughs> so many women have been so um, conditioned through media to view their estrogen through a really bad lens. Women think of estrogen in terms of breast cancer. They think of estrogen in terms of ovarian cancer. They think of estrogen in terms of weight gain, anxiety, depression, um, they see through that lens easily because that's what's out there. That's a there's a lot of articles, there's a lot of videos, there's a lot of clickbait out there that prey upon our fears. And estrogen has been demonized. The thing is, the question we should be asking then is, is as as scientists on my role, is that deserved? Is that reputation deserved? Does it deserve to be vilified like this? Answer is no. Letting you know that straight off the top. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be vilified. If you think about it, estrogen has been essential for humanity since we started. If estrogen was awful, how did we get this far? How did we get this far as a species if estrogen was so awful? Why is it in the past 50 years that estrogen-related pathology has been jumping up? Well, is it estrogen is the problem? That's the question we should be asking. Why was it in a problem prior to that? Why is it just now? One of the reasons why it seems that we're behind in understanding estrogen in women and why there's so much confusion about estrogen in women, part of it, as I mentioned earlier, is media. And media just taking things and running with it. it. Because when you put fear into something, you're going to get eyes on it. And you get eyes on it, you're going to get clicks, and you get clicks, and you get advertising. That's how that works. You know, we all know this. The real reason why estrogen has been vilified and why the media is able to pick it up and turn it into a bad actor is because there has been so little research done in women for so long. Our understanding of hormones in women is so poor. It's so sad. Before 1993, there was no research being done on women in endocrinology, period. None. It was not funded. And there was a big change that occurred in 1993, and they made those changes. But even then, we're still not funding it very well. We are not researching into women nearly as much as we should. And the research, as I mentioned, is shoddy at best. One such example using estrogen is they did a study, the Women's Health Initiative, and they did this study, and they called horse urine... Derived estrogen, horse estrogen, they called that estrogen. Now, it's horse estrogen, not human estrogen, so it's a very different molecular structure, but it has estrogen like effects in the horse, but it's endogenous to the horse. They took that estrogen and they gave it to women. And in the studies, they said, We're giving these women estrogen. It's not estrogen that's naturally occurring in women. So there's a bit of confusion there in their communication and if you think of science that's pathetic that's really is pathetic we should never make that mistake but they did so they called horse urine derived estrogen estrogen for women they they mislabeled it they didn't they they termed it that way so it was confusing they also called something that's a synthetic variation of progesterone that has progesterone like effects in a human body And when I say progesterone-like effects, it's not progesterone, okay? But it has a similar effect on the body. They call that progesterone. And they did this study in the Women's Health Initiative using uh, a horse urine-based estrogen and, and a synthetic progesterone, and it ended up causing cancer, risks to shoot through the roof, among other things. And the news took it as estrogen is awful, estrogen causes cancer. And the damage was done in the media. We're all afraid of dying of cancer. We all have those healthy fears in us. And so they just took it and ran with it. And they didn't realize by doing that, by taking it and running with it, you have caused so much confusion and you're going to have a negative impact on women's health overall. Women now look at a part of their biology with fear. It's your body. This is a tremendous disservice to you estrogen in my opinion in my experience medically is a good thing it is a good thing you're supposed to have it i'm supposed to have it you're supposed to have it we're all supposed to have it but we're supposed to have the kind specific to humans okay um why is it good brendan why is it good good question what does estrogen do that's so good in men and women in men and women it plays role with bone density we get bone density from it which is great it plays a role with hdl cholesterol which is the good cholesterol it plays a role with learning mental focus plays a role with emotions which i'm going to delve into a lot today in this episode Um, it builds collagen in women breast development and, and, and breast health definitely with estrogen and and also with urinary tract and, and, and all the aspects associated with reproduction. Estrogen is critical for that developmental, the first half of the, phase, uh, first half of the cycle to, to uh, develop the body in preparation for, for becoming pregnant. So estrogen is important, and it is good. It has a lot of good it does for us. The thing about estrogen is that it's tricky. As with all things, you need to have it, but it needs to be in balance. If you give someone too much of a good thing, it stops being a good thing. If you give people too little of an important thing, it's not gonna be doing its job either. It all needs to be in balance. If you like like bananas, bananas are delicious, bananas are good, bananas are full of potassium. If I ate a hundred bananas, that wouldn't be so good for me because it's too much. Faye no bananas is not enough. That's a horrible example. where did I come up with I don't know where bananas came from. <laughs> I was watching Minions with my kids the other day. <laughs> Sorry, bananas. But you get the idea. The bad reputation of Estradiol, if it was given to you by some dude in a white coat saying Estradiol's terrible, it would be pretty bad. Like, let me, let me back up. Let's hear me here. If the Women's Health Initiative had come out and said Estradiol is the worst thing in the world it's going to kill you, you got to stop it. If it was just them saying it randomly, A lot of us would look at it like, eh, maybe. We'd be kind of questioning it. What made estrogen get its bad reputation the rest of the way has been your women's, your experience with estrogen. The experience of estrogen with women is a big part of why we look at it from that bad lens. And you think about it. Estrogen dominance in women, you feel it. You know it. You know what estrogen dominance feels like you know when estrogen is high you're gonna have that breast distension some of you feel that as breast pain some of you're gonna have menorrhagia heavy periods some of you are going to have cramping some of you, your moods are not gonna be right you don't feel right so so having that guy in a lab coat say estrogen's bad is there but then your physical experience of it being dominant is bad and that kind of compounds it and that pushes into this binary view we have of estrogen being good and bad it's bad so it's binary it's like those are terrible But the body doesn't work in a binary fashion. There's no good and bad in the body. It's just balanced or not balanced. Estrogen can't be viewed through the lens of being good and bad because it isn't good or bad. It's a part of you. Estrogen needs to be viewed through the lens of is it in balance for your body? Is it where it's supposed to be for health? That's what's important because you have to have it. It's a part of who you are. You'll always have it. It's part of us. The balance that I'm talking about that happens in a woman's body is interesting because it's, it's too much is bad, too little is bad. And that's going to be something modulated on something called the estrogen receptors. Now, prior to, I think it was 19... Uh, hold on, let me this over really quick. Prior to 1996, we only understood the estrogen receptor A. The estrogen receptor A was the one that the estrogen binds to the receptor. There's, here's the cell... There's a receptor A, estrogen binds onto it, and then it's going to trigger the cell to become active, and that's where you see the improved physiology, uh, breast tissue, lining the uterus. It's all the feminizing thing does, but also you know collagen production, HDL cholesterol, bone density, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it does all the good work it's supposed to do. Um, that's estrogen receptor alpha, and the thing about it though, when you stimulate estrogen receptor alpha to a certain degree, you're good. A little too much it triggers brain chemistry, it moves the brain chemistry towards anxiety. It fools around with your, your GABA receptors and it triggers your brain to move to anxiety when you have too much. So estrogen receptor alpha does trigger anxiety in women when it's set a certain level of saturation, okay? Um, and when we did that, we thought, hey, that's, that's the proof that estrogen's the cause of anxiety. Estrogen is a bad thing. And then as I mentioned in 1996, we learned about what estrogen receptor beta is. And estrogen receptor beta is a whole other thing. Es- the understanding of estrogen receptor beta turned our understanding of estrogen on its head. And that's important. I still to this day make the mistake of putting estrogen in the binary category, being like, oh, well, you have estrogen. I need to balance it out with progesterone. I, it makes estrogen seem like the bad guy. I, and I know I make that mistake. I'm still, to this day, and me, I do this for a living. This is my soul. This is the meaning of my life. I still make that mistake, you know? Estrogen receptor beta, when you have adequate levels of estrogen, estrogen receptor beta mitigates anxiety. It reduces anxiety. This is the sweet spot of estrogen. When estrogen is at the right level, your anxiety levels drop. So estrogen, when it's too high anxiety, too low anxiety, right in the middle, estrogen receptor beta shines. And that's when you have less anxiety with your patients. When I work with estrogen, when I work with a woman with, with anxiety... As I mentioned a second ago, it's easy for me to fall into that binary pattern of like estrogen is the one that causes the anxiety, and, and progesterone is going to be our savior, and it's just not correct. There's more to it, and I and I, and and that estrogen receptor beta is really the key part of that equation. So so estrogen once normalized, we see less anxiety, and it's not like I need to use progesterone to reverse the damage of of estrogen causing anxiety it's more like i need estrogen to be at the right level to to reduce anxiety and I progesterone in its right level to reduce anxiety they play their role together it's not like i'm using progesterone to shut down estrogen's activity in the body you know what i mean so when it comes to estrogen there will be people who don't want it there are people who have severe hot flashes night sweats vaginal dryness they're going through menopause they're losing bone density and they say, I don't want any estrogen in my body. I don't want those mood changes. I don't want this to happen to me. Or I think this is a bad thing. I don't think there's a, estrogen has a bad reputation. And, and that's because we have that wrong view of it. And it's like we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We need to return now to look to it and say, all right, estrogen receptor beta is an important part of us. And when you have estrogen at the right level, the beta receptor is going to be saturated and you're going to have a better mood. Above that's not good. Below that's not good. Right in the middle is where it should be. And it's important as the physician to make sure we keep that in balance in running lab work. My preferred level for women when I'm treating them is around 82 for the, for the estrogen level, the estradiol level in, in those cases. I use estradiol as the fraction that I look at, so that's the one that does the most work. Estrone is a inflammatory uh, um, type of estrogen that's not you know biologically active and we don't use that. And estriol is the one that is most common in, in, in pregnancy but estradiol is the one we look at. And we went to around 82 in our labs. And and that's a good level to be at, of course, with progesterone. How can I modulate? What if a person has estrogen that's a little too high and their receptor alpha is being triggered more than receptor beta? How can I help reduce or modulate that? What can I do? What's my first step? The first thing is to make sure... That the patient uh is cycling normal and they're not having too much estrogen because they're they're not ovulating you want to make sure they're ovulating we want to do all those benefits to them but still some women will make too much estrogen even when they're ovulating making progesterone how do we modulate it estrogen interceptor alpha can be modulated by using something called methane. dim methane is a compound that's derived from broccoli cabbage uh, brussels sprouts you can buy it as a supplement 200 milligrams once to twice a day, that should do it. And that binds that receptor and that helps modulate that receptor. And that's very helpful. And I've used that clinically for years. The thing, though, is that I can go into other modulators. You know, there's, there's other things we can modulate the receptors with. And, and there's a lot of research out there regarding them. But more important than that is, is going back to it's important, as I mentioned earlier, to do our best to get the patient's estrogen levels within the normal range. So if the woman is not ovulating, it's our goal to get them to ovulate so that way their estrogen levels can drop down and they can make progesterone instead. So we can still modulate the receptors. We can still have benefit to the estrogen. So estrogen, it has that reputation because of misunderstanding, because of poor research, because medicine still has a large misogynistic bent on it. And... That happened along with women's experiences of estrogen dominance, causing symptoms that really are not comfortable, and they came together to give estrogen this reputation that it doesn't quite deserve. I want you to, please look to estrogen through a better lens. consider as a part of your biology that's important, but it's important that we keep it in a healthy range. I hope this is helpful. I look at your reviews, I read you, mostly on Instagram, I'm not going to lie to you, I read Instagram a lot faster than I do all the other ones. For some reason, that's much easier for me to grab in the middle of the day at work and read. I read your comments, they matter to me. Um, Your questions are important, and some of your questions, I do make videos specific to those. So please keep up the comments. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a good day.